Ryan Hanley, and I am joined by Marty Agather. What's going on, man? Howdy. I like when we do these Friday afternoon shows because you can tell that we're just kind of screwing around um, since we were supposed to start recording about 48 minutes ago, and we're just starting now. Well, you know, it took us a while. We had to discuss a few things. We had to get ready for the show. I had to, you know, give you a little bit of advice on your first opportunity to brew, so what else? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we... We spent 37 of those minutes talking about my indoctrination to home brewing. <laughs> hey, man, indoctrination is right. You you are about to join the brotherhood, the brotherhood of brewers, baby. It t- it's taken me prob- uh, about three months to wear my wife down to the point where um, she finally is on board with me taking a first pass at it, though. She said if the beer's not good, she's going to be, she, it's going to bother her. I'll, t- I'll tell you a little story. I, I couldn't wear my wife down. Here's the way this worked. I walked into the beer store for the first time. This is probably 1991, give or take. I looked, I went, oh my gosh, this is something that's really cool. And I went home and I said, honey, I know what you could buy me for Christmas. And she said, absolutely not. You have more than enough hobbies. So my best, I told my best friend, he got the kit, and then he got transferred to Holland, and guess who ended up with his kit? Me! Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it, it's just, it, I can already tell it's a rabbit hole, and, and uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a fun, like, winter hobby. I'll probably, I probably won't do anything this summer. I'll probably wait until... Uh, until the winter time when we're boxed up inside. So and let me let me tell you how this goes, right? Because you gotta you gotta have the beer style for the season. Yep. So if you actually want to drink in the winter, you probably better be putting down a darker beer now. So a porter or a, a stout, you know. Just saying, because in the winter time it's also cooler, and you're gonna want to make your warm weather beers in the winter. I'm not at that level yet. I'm just I just want to produce something that I can drink and say I don't mind drinking this. This isn't bad. This isn't bad. And then I'm going to this is because I already know how this process is going to go. Then as I learn and get better, I will start to plan. But in year 1, my goal is to create a beer that I enjoy drinking that does not take up enough of my time that my wife can say moves you to the garage. Yeah, yeah, you, you got to get out. This this can't be here. I want it to integrate into the family in a way that I can have this hobby and enjoy it and drink beer, which I love doing, and um, and not we have would it. Never, we would life. never condone the consumption of alcoholic drinks on this show. I just want that stated for our risk management professionals that are out there listening, our ENO coverage provider. At least not while you're driving. <laughs> no. Thankfully, I'm not driving right now. Anyone who's been in the business for more than six months is probably a pretty decent drinker. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on from our from our little habits here, uh, our hobbies. Um, let's let's get into what we came to talk about. So I we have a really we we got a couple of really cool topics I think today. Um, our industry topic is something that scares the heck out of me because I have a feeling I'm gonna tell you why this scares me. Not I, a lot of technology behind it. A lot of things have to line up for it to ever really make a true impact on the industry. But I I feel like. The average consumer, especially the average millennial consumer, is completely open to this idea. 
and it's autonomous agents. So take us into autonomous agents, Marty. Yeah, well, I mean, this is, it's not unique to insurance. This is all over. Agents in the generic term rather than the, 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 the framework of insurance agent, right? So the concept is we put a little intelligence in a machine, we shake it around a little bit, and uh, pretty soon the intelligent machine can answer questions. I was talking to one of our developers here yesterday on a related topic. He used to work for Toshiba Imaging, um, doing uh, medical diagnostic imaging uh, hardware and software. And he said they built a, um, a model that could predict lung cancer from looking at CT scans more accurately than a trained doctor who was, you know, a cancer specialist. So the point is the machine, when it's appropriately programmed, can provide very good options, all right? Now, that should put fear in the heart of more than one agent and company because if you're hanging your hat on the fact that you are um, out there offering the best advice, all of a sudden... Something, you know, something in a can, which will get us to our second topic, something in a can can give the same advice that you can. Now, that's not to say in all cases we'll get in there in a second. But if if that advice is available, then all of a sudden this becomes a situation of haves and have nots. And either you've, got, you know, it's sort of like uh, mutual uh, assured destruction, right? You got to escalate the game. I have a 10 mega mega nuclear warhead, you have a 20 meg. So I got to move up to a 20 meg. So think about it. It's funny that you went with nuclear warhead examples. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about, about this. Um, you know, I, I'm actually, I'm looking at a resource here from Munich Re and we'll put a link to this. Uh, it's actually, it's got a ton of great information uh, on a bunch of different relevant uh, IT trends in the insurance industry for both 2016 and 2017. And really a lot of these things are probably uh, in some cases half a decade to a full decade out. But um, what what makes autonomous agents uh, interesting from a company perspective is the idea that it's 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 reducing kind of the 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 menial, not menial is the wrong word, um, repetitive tasks. Uh, it decreases failure rates on those tasks. It decreases operational costs, and uh, it and, and it provides true twenty four seven support and service for the insurance function. Right, um, a bot uh, uh, just came out in the marketing space. Um, Facebook now allows bots, and a lot of companies have started to use these bots. Basically, they're intelligent programs where you ask a question, and based on the keywords in that question, the bot returns an answer. And as long as your question is lines up with questions that they've created responses for, you get a fast, uh, um, anytime response to a question that you may have, and and that most likely, most importantly, it's an accurate response and an accurate response. Yes. So it reduces the risk on ENO. There's a lot of really interesting pieces to this, and if you're uh, a large national carrier. And you, especially if you're in the personal line space and you have the same questions that are asked over and over and over and over again, uh, it makes sense. I mean, you start to think to yourself, well, geez, uh, even, it, it, even if every one of my agents is, is, is a top 10% agent, um, 
they're going to make mistakes. And even if that, those mistakes are only 5% of the time or 2% of the time, those those 2%, I have now opened myself up to a potentially large lawsuit where if that person types the question in, I know the exact answer that bot is going to give. They're not The bot's never going to be having a bad day. They're never going to be thinking about their kid's doctor appointment or or the, the party they're going to this weekend or whatever you know we're thinking about as human beings during the day. And they're never going to miss something. And I can be – it can be a very controlled environment. It's something that um, that we have a, a, a paper trail for, right? It's You typed in your question and bam, I have full – I have a full paper trail of what that response is. And I can hand it to the judge and be like, look, this is exactly what that person said. We gave them the exact response based on what they said. You know, we can't be held or at least not they, fully they liable. They didn't take our advice. Therefore, it's not our, our fault, advice, right? Yes. We are, okay. you know, so, our system advised them to purchase X and they decided to purchase Y, you know, we can't be fully responsible for that. Yeah. So I want to, I want to talk about another way that this technology could be used. One of the great things about uh, what Ryan and I get to do day in and day out <clears throat> is you know, we get to talk to some sort of leading uh, edge technology companies. And I had a chance to reach out to somebody a couple months ago and this company was formed by an attorney who, you know, sort of decided, hey, I got better things to do with my life than read contracts. So he created um, an algorithm, a computer program that could look at legal contracts and kind of, you know, deduce what was going on in there. Well, he sold that company to somebody, if I remember the story right. He sold that and made a bazillion dollars and, you know, sitting around at home, probably brewing beer. And then he said, you know what? I'm not done with my professional career. I'm going to do something else. So he looked at what was going on. He went, hey, where's our lot of insurance contracts? Huh, I'm sorry, where's our lot of legal contracts? In the insurance business. So he decided to create uh, one of these bot companies that reads insurance contracts. So think about it. It's renewal time. Every agency on the planet, if they're a good agency, does this. The new policy comes in, you compare the new policy against the old policy to make sure that all the coverages are there, right? Because what's the biggest source of E&O? You forgot to renew the policy, you left off X coverage, claim happens for X, and now you're in hot water. So what you do is you feed both contracts into his little machine learning thing. It reads the contracts and points out differences in coverages between the two. Think about what a labor saver that is for an agency. I'll tell you, at uh, Murray Group, that's a full FTE. Yeah, there's a, there is a, there is um, someone in the office's job whose full time job, very reasonably such, is to take every new policy that comes in and say, you know, look over the policy and match it up versus what they had, and make sure there's no place where, for whatever, you know, there's there's a myriad of reasons that it, that could potentially be different. Um, that they're not losing coverage in any in any spaces where it could potentially create a gap. I mean that that's a full FTE for an agency who's proactive. Now I know a lot of agencies don't have that person or have stuffed that job into another position, but um, uh, for for the for my wife's family's agency, that's a full FTE position. This might be new news to our uh, regular listeners, but we actually have in common the fact that our wives work in insurance. And um, my wife is a large lines commercial um, CSR for an independent agency here in Minneapolis. And so she works for one producer specifically. And this guy writes 
you know, customers who have, you know, million dollar premiums. She's got international exposures, all that kind of stuff. When she renews one of these big policies, it's 20, 40, 60 hours of policy examination for one customer just yep. to do what, we, what we're talking about. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really is. Um, it, so, so here's so so. There's a lot of advantages to something like an autonomous agent or algorithmic agent, uh, a bot, uh, whatever you want to call these. Uh, think of Apple Siri um, as as a kind of an example. Um, so, so at a certain point, someone could call a phone number and literally talk to a machine that's responding. Uh, for service related items, for like I said, repetitive items, things that happen a lot, these tools become, at some point, they will become the norm, right? So uh, one of the things that I've talked about for years now in the presentations that I give throughout the industry, and anyone who's seen them knows this, I have a little triangle that I draw, and then I talk about how, you know, the the whole crux of it is that um, uh, customer service doesn't differentiate your agency. And actually, it goes back to something, uh, a little bit of what we were talking about last episode, Marty, about how you truly differentiate your agency, um, which which that episode did incredibly well. I want to thank everyone who 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 listened to that episode and shared it. Uh, appreciate that. Um, so, you know, if you were leaning on customer service as the, th- you know, in customer service, not just from like you know, being friendly and proactive and that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about like physically processing things like like uh, like uh, certificates and vehicle changes. I mean, these in the very near future, those types of activities will be done by computers 100%. There just won't need to be a human involved in every one of those transactions. Right? It doesn't mean so, – so this is where the limitation is. As soon as you get to an edge case or even near the edge, you need a human to step in and um and and take over because what the bots can't do today is work outside the parameters of what they've been programmed to do. Exactly. I mean that's that's the limitation, right? And and that really gets us to where the agents that are really differentiating themselves have an unassailable advantage, right? You don't want to be in in the business of answering what's my deductible for glass coverage. What you want to be in the in the business for is providing advice that is so specific and requires such expertise that nobody's ever going to have the time or ability, or at least not in the foreseeable future, to program that bot to be able to answer those questions. That's where the differentiator is. That's the unassailable advantage that you can hold. Yeah. And it just at a certain point, it doesn't make sense to program the bot with all that stuff, right? If it only happens, you know, once a month or you only get that call once a quarter, uh, it just at a certain point, you don't need to have the 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 bot or the autonomous agent involved in all of that. There's that that's still the need for human beings and they still have to come in and and but you know, it, it just, you know, it, this could be a thing that reduces our CSR workforce in half. I mean, that's a very legitimate thing. I mean, this could come in and just say, instead of needing four um, reps or account executives or or, or whatever, um, I know some people find CSR to be demeaning and I, I just excuse me for that. It's the old school vernacular. Um, but uh, it could cut that in half because you just, 
all those everyday mundane, uh, mundane repetitive actions uh, could be completely cut out of the process. But, uh, but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get radical on you here, Ryan. This goes back to a, another topic that we talked about a couple weeks ago, and that was the, um, you know. The, the 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 financial ROI argument of why you put the phone tree in place, right? Because you can get rid of Bill the receptionist. Well, I got news for you. Maybe that's not the right reason. Maybe the right reason is you automate those day in and day out tasks, not so that you can downsize your staff, but so that you can have your staff do more valuable things, do more of the things that result in positive positive customer experience and and do create that actual differentiation point for your agency. Again, help you survive, right? I got a big response to that. But before we get there, before we get there, I just want to tell you guys real quickly about Vertifor. Vertifor has stepped forward and uh, and become a sponsor for this podcast. We're incredibly appreciative of them and their partnership with us because it, it's nice to to connect with another high quality technology focused company. Um, you know, and especially, you know, Vertifor is the leader in modern insurance no technology. Uh, they have the largest customer base in the industry, and they help connect agencies, carriers, MGAs, MGUs, state governments, and, and all the employees in those organizations uh, with data. And, you know, with almost 50 years of experience in the industry, uh, Vertifor is just an incredible partner to have. And if you use Vertifor today, think about the tool that you have, are you using it to its fullest capacity? And if you are looking for a new agency management system, if you're in that market, I would highly, highly consider Vertifor. Uh, visit vertifor.com for more information and check out their blog. They do a really great job uh, of producing relevant, um, uh, timely content around not just you know, kind of agency management system stuff, but just the industry and technology as a whole. And uh, I just want to thank them one more time for being a great sponsor of this show. Absolutely. And you, you triggered a thought there that I want to, I want to reach out and this is not specific uh, to Vertifor, but many times I think that um, agents give short shrift to their management system. Uh, it seems like it's a big expense. It seems like you know how to use it. And so therefore, uh, agents, rather than continuing to make an ongoing investment in their management system, they sort of let it lay fallow. And the problem that you have is um, over time, number one, the system becomes more sophisticated and there are more opportunities for you to use it uh, more effectively. But number two, sometimes those things that may not have been trained effectively or or Sally got trained, but she forgot to tell Bill how to do it. And now Sally's gone. All of a sudden, many agencies find themselves using a fraction of the full capability. So don't, you know, don't, don't be penny wise and pound foolish. Get your staff to either local or national user group meetings, help them learn and understand. You might even want to bring a consultant in who can help you work with your system. Odds are very good unless you're really heavily involved that there are going to be features in your system that you could be using today that you're not because you just don't know they're there. Yeah, quick anecdote on that. Um, we, uh, I say we, the, the Murray Group, my wife's agency, they had a consultant come in and help them with a few different things, but one of them was uh, better utilizing their agency management system. And um, uh, they now, uh, cross-selling uh, has increased like like two or three X, the amount of policies that they cross-sell. 
at, um, from clients who previously purchased. So not um, at the point of sale, but like I have a home and auto and I, and I bring in an, an umbrella right uh, later on. Um, that has increased uh, either two or three X. It's been a while since I got the number from them, but that was all because they started utilizing their agency management system and, and having higher quality data, not just in the system itself, but in the note features and the reminders. And uh, I mean, that's just found revenue. I mean, someone has a home and auto with you and you just add an umbrella. Yeah, it's not a ton of money, but you do that 10 times a month for a year and that it starts to add up and plus yeah. you're building fences around your people. So we're like way off topic here, but um, 100%, 100%. We should do a whole show. Let's let's pause on this topic, Marty. Let's do a whole show around agency management system utilization, the technology and stuff. And actually, you know what might be the catalyst for that? Uh, in two weeks, July 29th, I will be down in Pensacola, Florida at the Young Agents of Alabama Conference. Oh yeah, uh, Boyd the McGee. show, right? The shootout. Yeah. Yep, Boyd McGee and the Young Agents Committee for Alabama is putting on a live event. They have nine agency management systems coming in, um, and they're going to do – I think each representative from the agency management systems is going to uh, have between eight to ten minutes to kind of pitch their product. And then all of them, a nine-person panel is getting up on stage, and uh, Ron Berg um, – from ACT and I are going to uh, manage this this kind of agency management system face-off is what we're calling it. It's going to be really, really fun. Um, we are not being paid for this pitch. I just think it's an incredible event. Uh, we will be down there to help live stream it. But um, I, I, if you're interested in agency management systems or just live streaming or just this, this in general, want to see what the young agents of Alabama are doing, uh, go to agencynation.com forward slash A- M S face off, all one word. A M S face off, all one word. Agency management system. That's what. Yep. We're- yeah. So A M S face off. Agencynation.com. A M S face off. Go there and just type your name and email in, and then you'll get an email that says, uh, you know, as we get closer, they'll say, hey, just so you know, uh, that this this live event is coming up, and then you can watch it on Facebook, and then if you can't make the live event, you'll get a, a replay emailed to you. But I think this is going to be a ton of fun. Um, I'm sure there'll be some technology hiccups, but I, I think it's just more awareness of how agency management systems can help us grow our agencies is is really really great. But um, so that aside, I want to get back uh, very briefly to the point that you made about repurposing employees phenomenal point. I couldn't agree with you more, right? So I, I was kind of hoping that you would go there when I made the, the downsizing comment. Um, why not, Why downsize? Why not just reinvest, right? I, I think that is just a tremendous way of looking at it. Um, it's something, again, if, if, if your insurance agency is a lifestyle business for you, you're not going to do that, right? That's found money for you. You Ask the employees, wish them good luck, and you stuff all that money in your pocket. But if you're a, if you're hungry, if you're trying to grow, if you're thinking about the longevity and the legacy of your agency, if you're trying to perpetuate to the next generation, or you're trying to sell for for a bigger bonanza, reinvest. I, I would like to start a whole club inside the uh, in, independent insurance industry around people who want to reinvest. I just love that 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 kind of that that thought process of, you know, screw just taking it out and taking your cut and buying yourself a third home and veil or whatever, like reinvest in the business and, and go bigger and go better. I, I love that. It just gets me excited. And, and we, we, we know through our, uh, through our 
relationships in the industry, we know that there's lots of agents out there that are doing this, right? Oh, oh yeah. And 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 so I agree with you. I think um, putting those people together, uh, maybe you know that could be a that could be an, an, a, a targeted opportunity for us for uh, the the live summit thing. But that's another topic for another day as well. Yeah. So you know, I, to kind of wrap this one up, um, bots are coming. The technology is very close. It's, it's in many ways it's already here. It's just it hasn't yet made its way into the insurance industry as a whole. Um, I could definitely see some of the more opportunistic players in our market starting to play with this uh, and for good reason. Um, and, and the directs and captives, I'm sure, already have something going. I actually need – I actually – this whole topic is triggered in my mind that I want to – I want to just uh, educate myself even more about who's actually in this game headfirst. I know there's some startups uh, in it as well, but just think about it. Think about uh, what are the repetitive actions and can you find ways? Could you create, here's a really simple way. Can you create an email onboarding campaign, which answers proactively some of the repetitive questions so your so your customer service representatives don't have to take that phone call later. That's just a, that's a, that's like a, a hacked up, analog way of doing this and um i think i think there's a lot there so um check this resource out agencynation.com forward slash podcast this is episode number 31 you'll be able to find this link i'll also leave a link to the uh the agency management system face off and our next topic moving the uh continuing our our alcohol infused theme today marty talk to me about canned wine yeah, you know, uh, so so I guess following on our, our our opening, right? So I started off many moons ago brewing home brewing beer and was really really involved for quite a while, and then moved to Minneapolis and sort of got out of it because my brewing partner and I got split up. And um, recently, I, we might have talked about this. I certainly have put this in a blog post or two. Uh, I've gone and the, the the original reason I went to that beer store back in the day where I got that idea for a Christmas present was I was in a wine I was in a wine uh stage of my life and I had heard an ad on the radio where they said you know make your own wine and I went oh this is a cool idea and then I went in there and I realized that you know make your own wine was uh coming out of a can about the size of a tomato juice can and I went I am never going to want to drink something that's coming out of you know grape extract that's been you know turned into sludge so i dropped that and picked up the the, the beer hobby well a couple of years back i went to the to the beer store to to on a project i was working on a very unique uh thing and uh called um uh, not sizer but uh it's the original alcohol honey and water and yeast mead uh, mead exactly and so I was having some trouble with my mead. It was the first time I'd ever made it. It wasn't really starting off for me. So I went and long story short, there is now, there are more uh, opportunities to make wine than you've ever seen. Um, and so that got me down, started down this path. So with that as background, uh, you know, I like wine. I enjoy wine. I make my own wine. I saw this thing the other day about the rise in the sales of canned wine. And I went, what? Canned wine? And uh, lo and behold, that gets us to our topic today. Yeah, so Marty sent me this article. And this is what, this, 
so we, there is a point to this, but I just have to share this stat with you. So there's a chart, and again, uh, if you go to the show notes, we'll have this link, and you can check out the chart and everything, uh, agencynation.com forward slash podcast, and look for episode number 31. So in 2012, canned wine sales, sales so this is um, top-level sales, uh, gross, top-level sales were just under $3 bucks total. So that's not a lot. Um, in 2013, it jumped up to about three and a half. In 2014, it's about five and a half. In 2015, you're looking at over seven million. And by June 18th of 2016, you're looking at almost $16 million in canned wine sales. It's like the biggest trend right now in alcohol consumption is canned wine and not like like boxing a wine like a big huge i'm talking like beer can wine um and it just blows my mind and now i gotta find some because uh my wife is my wife will drink beer but she is more of a wine drinker so i gotta find her some canned wine so we can pop a couple open together and she can have her wine i can have her beer and everyone's happy so 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 just just to get the economics down for everybody because i was 24 hours ahead of ryan on this one uh I found a retailer out of Oregon that um, sells canned wine, a four-pack, which would be the equivalent of basically two bottles of wine, right? So each each 12-ounce can is about a half of roughly a half a bottle of wine. Um, a four-pack was 28 bucks, right? That's not a bad deal. It's 14 bucks a bottle. I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, buck two buck chuck or something, but it's not, you know. French uh, Bordeaux either. So I said, what the hell? I could buy a couple of bottles of Pinot Noir for $28. So I put it in the cart and then I uh, got to the shipping options and the shipping options from Oregon to Minnesota, $62 was the cheapest I could get for a damn four pack of beer. And I said, thank you very much, but I don't want it that badly. Yeah. So I, I'm, I did the same thing. I'm gonna have to try to find it in the local market because, uh, I found a different place called, um, crazy monkey theorem or something i i have to look up i find you know they, and it's just like these are all like craft breweries too right so they all have crazy names and and it's like a whole subculture and, and fine that's cool um and it was 15 bucks for a four pack so 15 bucks for two bottles of wine essentially but the the shipping was 18 dollars. and i said i'm not paying more for shipping than i am for the product that i'm buying not with amazon prime being a thing so um so yeah, so I'm now relegated to trying to find it. In my though I think, I think you can find it at Whole Foods, and there's a Whole Foods in Albany. Yes. So I'm gonna go check that out. Um, I might. But okay, we're way, way off topic. We're like yeah, we helping are. people. Find- <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that's because that's the way we are. We 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 find a thread and we pull it until until there's no clothing left. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. So so here's so here's here's why I thought this was interesting and. It has nothing to do with wine. It has everything to do with wine. What we're talking about is something that has been delivered in a way. I mean, think about it. Ten years ago, the fact that you might open a bottle of wine, not with a corkscrew, but by screwing a cap off, was like blasphemy. There yeah. was no way because, because wine was this hoi polloi, highfalutin thing it was it, it just isn't done it's not traditional how dare you open that bottle not with a corkscrew right and so 
Um, now there are very good reasons for that, and we we'll just leave those on the sidelines. But um, but the the screw top was like you know made people turn blue. Yeah, um, but and now tail. you got it. What's you think that? about you think about yellowtail, right? Yellowtail was one of the pioneers of the screw top and comes from Australia. It's good, not great wine at a good price, and you can take it anywhere and twist off the cap, and boom, you got wine. And and so the thing that I think is so intriguing about wine in a can is it's now it's gone, it's completely broken the boundaries of what is normal. Right. So what we've got is we've got some marketing people who said, you know what, we have a challenge in that our product is seen as stuffy. It's seen as unapproachable. It's seen as I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. And they've said, you know what, we can make this completely and totally. It's on the go. It's take it where you want. Stick it in your golf bag. Right. And all of a sudden we've got something that not only was revolutionary, the marketplace is embracing it like nobody's business. And so their their sort of wide-eyed marketing experiment is being embraced, and it's it's fantastic. So let me hit you guys so with that? a couple of stats. I want to hit them with a couple of stats just to, to kind of back up the points that you are making. All right, according to Nielsen, 73% they did a they did a big study on uh, wine drinking. 73% of respondents say that packaging options that are easy to carry are incredibly important to them, right? Easy to carry. 50% of respondents said that a single serve packing is at uh, at least somewhat important, right? So, uh, somewhat important to very important 50%, very important is easy to carry and manage. Um and uh, uh, cans of wine fit that perfectly, right? So, so there. So this is a trend that is kind of bucking, bucking the status quo. It's starting to reach a new demographic, but it also fits some of just the usability and customer experience things that people want. And here's really the crux of it, right? Um, and this is this is all from this article that we'll share from uh, Slate. It said, uh, so I'm just going to read you this paragraph because it, it tells the story. While historically wine has been seen as somewhere between mature and stuffy, think of Budweiser's ad showing wine drinkers as Super Bowl wet blankets to exuberant beer drinkers. That was in the Super Bowl last year. Young drinkers are jumping on the wine bandwagon. Millennials, millennials consumed 159.6 million cases of wine in 2015. That was 42% of all wine drunk in the US. So you are now taking an enormous market and matching it with the customer experience and kind of the trendy cachet um, that 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 millennials will want. It's it, it really is fitting a product that has existed forever into a package, you know, the same thing into a package that feels new and fun and matches customer expectation. It what what they have done is is exactly what our industry struggles with and that is they are following the demographic trends and providing product in a way that their consumer expects to be able to use it all right and so to me that's the real lesson here not that you can go to your local store and pick up a six pack of wine it's the fact that these guys are looking at 
the stats and they're saying, we are, and this is a, probably a bad pun, we are underserving our a new potential demographic market for us and they've figured out what they need to do to their product in order to have their product be embraced by this demographic segment. It's a clear lesson for the insurance industry. Yeah, and and this is what we have to start to do and and we talk about this so much on this show. I know everyone who listens to this show has this mindset. That's why you put up with Marty and my antics. Um, it's, wine could, you know, Insurance is boring and stuffy. Or uh, yeah, so insurance is boring and stuffy. Um, wine is not boring but stuffy. And maybe the old school way of looking at wine could probably be seen as boring by people who don't live in that space, right? Um, it. What we have to do is take a lesson from from canned wine and start to look at our industry as how can we take this thing and be. Uh, just as cognizant of its importance, right? The the risk management, the the coverage, um, asset uh, protection, the peace of mind, the asset protection, all these things that that are what we do. They are the obligation of where of of our everyday lives. Are making sure people are properly covered. How do we take that and just gloss it? Right. That's what we need to do. Is gloss it. We need to. Do you know we're trying to do some of that here at uh, trustedchoice.com with with SEO and we you know I'm actually uh, was just before we went live I was uh, slacking with um, Sydney Rowe from our team talking about a bunch of really cool videos that we want to put out that start to talk to the consumers and and in a way that's um, that's less encumbered and and more lighthearted but but still um, authentic but still authentic yeah so it. it it's 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 looking at our business differently, and, and I'll give you a great example. And I've mentioned his name a couple times on here, but um, Nick Ayers and uh, his insurance chef um, program, which I, I don't know if he's still doing or not, but uh, Nick was doing a, a really cool series around. Um, you know, he he likes to cook, and he is uh, an agent in California, and uh, he created this whole insurance chef series to relate. In a, in a really fun and interesting way with the restauranteurs that he wanted to write and the ones that he already did write. I mean, that's just glossing what we do every day called prospecting and marketing, um, but glossing it in a way that makes it very relatable and easy. And it's these little things, these seemingly small things that, that, that turn people's viewpoint upside down on what we do for a living. I don't know that we've, uh, I don't know that we've completely uh, gotten that topic out and out and about, but I think this is something we're going to continue to focus on is how do we make our product more relatable to the mainstream? And some of that's going to be, uh, by actions of our agents and our companies. Some of it may be with the use of, uh, automated agents that, take some of the drudgery and the, and the repetitive work out of our system. But the fact of the matter is we have got to become more approachable or nobody will approach us at all. Marty, I think that's a great place to, uh, to kind of hit the stop button on this episode. Um, there's so much more to talk about on this. And uh, all I can say is, uh, you know, I talk to my marketing team every single day. I talk with Marty almost every single day. And... Um, 
you know, we have big plans for the message that we want to put out in, in front of the world as to what an independent agent is and why you should be working with an independent agent uh, in your local community, someone who knows who you are. Um, and we're, 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 we love connecting with agents who, who, who are interested in these things, right? And, um, you know, that's why we, that's why leadership conference is one of my favorite events to go to every year. It's coming up in September. It's going to be in Chicago. Uh, if you're going to be at leadership this year, um, make sure you come by, say hi to Marty, say hi to me. Um, you know, we can rap, we can go get a beer. Uh, that's, you know, we love connecting. So I hope you guys who are listening, um, if we've never met in person and we have the opportunity, never hesitate, um, to come up and say hi. I love meeting you guys. Um, we all need to connect. All right. We're going to, uh, get out of here, but we need to say one final thank you to Vertifor, our sponsor that's, uh, allowing us to add value to our show to make sure that, uh, you get to hear the latest and the greatest, keep us in business. Uh, so let's have a shout out to them. All right, Marty, we're out. <laughs>